this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. It's the Luminaries with David Odyssey. This time, special returning guest Millie Tamarez joins me to tackle the six foot five mega monolith, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Happy Taurus season. Okay, give me a break. But first, thoughts on my 31st birthday, Logan's Run, Twinks, Woo Yee Tee, and the return of society as we know it. We'll just keep it there for now. Thanks for listening. See you on the other side. Okay, first of all, I am drinking the most unbelievable wu-yi oolong tea right now, and I just want to shout out physical physical graffiti in the East Village. Um, God, their shit is good. It, it's She's an Israeli lady. She just kind of tells you like it is. I am ready to live in the East Village. I feel karmically complete with Brooklyn. My lease here continues through next March, so, you know, I am... I am um, I will continue to be a citizen of the universe, and the universe is Brooklyn. However, t- um, I am feeling, I am feeling ready to be the marvelous Mrs. Odyssey, uh, who's going to the butcher uh, on on East Tenth Street, and um, you know, sucking dick at Tompkins Square Park, or at least I hope. Um, happy Beltane, first of all. Uh, I was at a Beltane ceremony at Reese Beach, and uh, the winds, uh, the rose goddess unleashed a tempest upon us, which was very valuable, um, and I'm grateful. Party, this the saison has officially begun, and um, I'm very, it's lovely to have an abundance of choices. My somatic system is not really doing so well now that uh, sociality and conviviality are uh, in an upswing. Uh, I am very excited for acupuncture tomorrow so that hopefully I can recover some vitality. But, you know, with me, that's kind of... There's only so much we can do with this carcass. I just... um, I am turning 31 this week, and I just want to say it has happened, okay? Okay. Every single person I met this weekend, and I, I talked to a lot of people, every person I met was 25. Hands down, no exceptions, okay? There, no one, it, it, it's real. This is not like a, a thing Pat Regan made up in 2017. This is real. Um, to celebrate this occasion, I did watch uh, Logan's Run, starring Michael York, my good, my beloved Jenny Agutter, who we know not just from um, Call the Midwife, but from... One of my favorite movies I, I, I saw over the last year, which was An American Werewolf in London. And Farrah Fawcett, who in the movie is credited as Farrah Fawcett Majors, which is like, okay. If you're an actress, don't do that, okay? This is like when Kaylee Cuoco, and you all know what I'm talking about, was Kaylee Cuoco sweening for like a year? Or classically, tragically, hello, uh, Courtney Cox Arquette. That's a little different because that's a bit longer lasting. There's a bit more of a legacy there. But my point is, what is my point? Oh, yeah. 
Logan's Run is a 1975 sci-fi film about um, a post-apocalyptic, like, fascist society in which everyone can live till 30, and then when you turn 30, you're exploded. (laughs) And of course, there's a conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Honestly, I get it. And it's real. And of course, there's a friend, you know, the whole Fran Lebowitz thing about like how she danced until she turned 30 and then it was just too embarrassing. I get it. Okay. I am truly. I am truly like, and I've said this a million times, but I am with every passing day becoming um, Edith Piaf at the end of the Love Young Rose movie when they're just wheeling her around on the beach. Um, and, you know. She doesn't have eyebrows, okay? I I just don't know, and, and this is part of a larger global line of questioning that I'm going through, which is, with recovery, how does that integrate into the larger uh, society? How do I relate to others? How do others see me? Am I playing an old version of myself? But also, I don't want to just be some, like, um, I don't want to just be, like, one of those Muppets that I used to meet at recovery meetings whose whole life is recovery and who's just been, like, sapped and drained of any joy and they're basically these, like, desiccated mummies. I don't want to be that either. I'm just not sure how this is going to work. And I am really enjoying socializing, but I'm also feeling like... Who am I and where do I fit in with this? So, you know, just some um, existentialism uh, on the eve of my birthday. Okay. Speaking of age, I just watched the Miyazaki documentary, which is on HBO. Listen, I don't think it's such a great documentary. Um, it's it's very, you know, handheld cinema verite, blah, blah, blah. God, he's still alive. Motherfucker. And he's a Capricorn, of course. The documentary is deeply upsetting. It is, it is, um, obviously, and you know, if Leila Halabian is listening, 2022 is the year that I go to the new Miyazaki, um, theme park in Japan. Obviously, as anyone who knows me knows, I am this close to getting an Ariana Grande Chihiro spirited away forearm tattoo. Um, you know, if you listen to the Kiki, uh, Kiki Dunst episode, you know, this is a Kiki's delivery service, um, Miyazaki podcast. However, the documentary is just about how, like, after he retires, he won't stop working and like how it does give his life meaning and it's really beautiful, but also how he's this like isolated, dogged, ruthless, like Wilhelmina Slater, character and he just lives in this i mean it's so capricorn like they just show him like making like instant ramen in a pot in his very spartan home and like i assume that his his wife didn't want to be in the movie which is great but you don't see her so and there are the beautiful aspects which is like the neighborhood kids come by and he gives them candy and it's like all the, the scenes where they show him interacting with children, you're like, oh, he actually is the purest soul in that he, like, understands children and he doesn't have time for adults. 
But then they show him, like, abusing adults in this very Miranda Priestly way. Like, you understand why Studio Ghibli is the greatest in the world, because he totally um, was a terrorist. However, um, the the issue is that, I don't know, it, it just gets... It's very lonely, and you want him to be set free. And this, talk about, let, let's go into the the Saturn aspect, is like, and I swear to God, I'm not making this up. This is straight out of, you know, Stephen Fry's mythos, okay? He has this line where he's like, there is no successor for me at Studio Ghibli because I devoured all of them. Every successor that I, like, trained, I consumed and I left nothing left. And then his like producer has this line where he's like, Miyazaki is revitalized by youth. He loves young collaborators, but then he they age as they work with him while he gets revitalized. So he's also like a vampire. So it was very upsetting because it's basically this like referendum against like workaholism and against like the um the genius mentality because like they do show him working with these the whole movie is about him working with these like kids who do cgi and how they're just like not artists like him which is t but it's just like he won't relinquish and it's just it's very sad it's beautiful, but it's also very sad. I mean, the triumph is, and this scene is the gag. He has a meeting with the CGI people, and they show him, like, how they can use computers. Their, their whole thing is, like, one day machines will paint better than people, and they create this, like, simulation of a zombie rolling around, like a dead corpse rolling around. And he, like, he says, like, my friend growing up had an injury from the war and it was a struggle for him to walk. And when I watch you like create this simulation of a mutilated human body, he says something like it's offensive to life. Um, and I never want to see it again. Um, and it's certainly like distasteful and they just like pan across the room and they're all shattered. And one person is crying and it's like, Oh yeah. He, even though he is, like, a Capricorn terrorist fascist, he is, like, he actually does believe, like, in life. Um, I don't know. It just, it left me a lot to think about as I deal with my own mortality as I turn 31,000 years old. Um, there was more I wanted to get into. Oh, the Marie-Louis von Franz book I'm reading about... The interpretation of fairy tales is obviously fabulous, okay? Um, her theory about vampires going off of Miyazaki being a vampire is that vampires, this may, might not be her theory, this might be commonly known to everyone but me, vampires represent the unconscious um, coming forth to to take control away from the conscious. So it is the, the sublimated, the abject... Um, coming out in the night to to uh, take control of the body. Isn't that great? Um, so I'm loving reading that. I have to... The gag is, uh, just FYI, I am now the astrology columnist for Nylon, so I'll be doing horoscopes for them, and then I'll, I'll be doing... Uh, 
everything. Like any any big transit, you can count on a piece on nylon.com. But I'm just having to do a lot of reading right now because I want to learn more about like moon cycles, blah, 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 blah. But um, I'm really loving Marie-Louis von Franz. Um, what else did I have to report on is... Nothing. I just want more robes. Where does one get uh, casual robes for, for walking around town? Anyone? Okay. Um, this week's episode... Listen. Obviously, Millie is one of the most major people. Millie is a legend everywhere she goes. She's beloved by all. Um, and Millie has an original voice, which is very rare. Um, I asked Millie who she wanted to do for Taurus season. She said Tina Fey or The Rock. I said, we got to do The Rock. So this was a very fun one for me. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. And I will see you next week. As the Taurus saga progresses we are doing another um straight man's astrology to kind of uh, shake things up yes to do so i have recruited um one of the most brilliant dynamic um joyful people that i'm lucky enough to know oh like Millie tamarez <laughs> thank you uh, hi <laughs> How I are you gonna be like one of those brilliant dynamic fat hoes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would have been a twist. Yes. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Happy to do this. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, you had suggested as one of your options for this uh that we we could do the rock. The rock mm -hmm. is a Taurus, he's born May 2nd, but I'm just curious about your vibe with the rock uh such as mm, it is well the rock he he's a very interesting guy to me mm -hmm. i feel like i i like that right he's um i think he's a third generation wrestler yes like his dad was a wrestler i think his grandfather was a wrestler he's a wrestler and then his first wife is also a wrestler, which I thought was really cool. Like, okay, I think it's cool, whatever that, like, fine. Um, you know, you follow in your dad's footsteps, but you also marry somebody in there or like have a kid with someone there. Like, I thought that was cool. And she's like a buff Puerto Rican woman. Like, she's like, <laughs> <laughs> like so I, I kind of like that he wasn't. Uh, you know, I, that was like interesting to me that it was like, oh, it wasn't like this, like thin, you know, just woman that's like, whatever, like, it's like this other equally strong, intense woman. And um, they're not together, but they work together a lot. Like their production company, they have their daughter and the daughter supposedly uh third generation or fourth generation wrestler. yeah the daughter is officially training with the wwe making her fourth generation yes yes so i thought that was cool but then you know like you know and then yeah he's samoan which is also hot yes he's black which is also hot but then he's republican so you know there's something something's wrong there something happened you have put to me, the central battle of the rocks chart in perspective. So let's just jump in and talk about it. Okay. 
The Rock is a Libra rising. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you've listened to this pod, you know we've covered Britney Spears and Anna Nicole Smith, both Libra risings. Classically, Bill Clinton is a Libra rising. Mm. A Libra rising, you know, as Dexter Driscoll explained in the Britney episode, a Libra is a mirror. And when someone is a Libra rising, when they are defined by Libra, um, they act they do libra is a sign that social climbs through um uh a grace and an ease in the social dynamic and when you have libra defining you people can kind of project a lot of things onto you which can often be very positive you know i I think i mentioned when my mom my mom uh is an attorney and she was working in the same courthouse uh, as Anna Nicole Smith's case. And she said like- Which one, the the um, divorce? I mean, um, the, the one with the, the like dead old guy with the money? Which like is, who is involved with the Koch brothers, yes. Yes, um, that one, mm-hmm, yeah. You know, she said <laughs> at first when Anna Nicole Smith would come in, everyone was gagged because people were just like, well, she's so pretty. She's like so dazzling. She's so charming. And, you know, it's the same with like when you think about, again, like Bill Clinton going to, which is why SNL did so many good sketches like of Bill Clinton visiting Burger King, because it's like, mm. wow, like you can really make a fantasy out of this person, which mm. guess who else is uh, a tourist son, Libra Rising, Adolf Hitler. Okay. So keeping it real. Keeping it real. So just to start, Libra Rising is very much like beloved by the people. Obviously, that can take a turn and go into a backlash state because it's what it's incumbent on what people project onto you. However, the other kind of layer of his Libra that I want to talk about is as you can see in Libra, we have Uranus. Uranus is the planet of kind of revolution and awakening. Uh, Uranus often kind of like fucks with your life to tap you into your higher calling. Uranus rules the rock's fourth house, Aquarius, his fourth house of ancestry and foundation. Uh, And in that fourth house, we have the North Node, his point of higher consciousness. So, okay, we know that uh, at the core of his kind of karmic work, um, his legacy, uh, the twelfth house. You know, it's it's so much about um, where his Uranus is, um, the things that need to be brought to closure. We know there's a huge uh, aspect of um, his personal history, uh, his roots, the culture he comes from, and kind of speaking for it. In his eighth house of metamorphosis in Gemini, the sign of self-expression, we see Saturn. Saturn uh, often, you know, is the father. Saturn is ruling Capricorn in his third house of self-expression. So we know that his self-expression is very much about uh, representing his father's legacy. Amazing. Okay, so we have that aspect, which is very beautiful, which is this kind of like libra rising that's very tied in with his ancestry and has this like aquarian drive to it of like wanting to share the kind of knowledge of his people in his history okay uranus comes into an opposition with mercury planet of self-expression mercury is in aries the planet of rugged 
rugged individualism and the bodily, uh, you know, the body, the embodied sign mm. in his sixth house of the body. So we see there's almost this Uranus in his 12th house, which represents his personal history, his karma, his family, his legacy. And then we see this Mercury, which is this sign of self-expression that is in this very self-oriented sign, which is Aries, in the body, in this very immediate house. And to me, we'll get into more aspects of that, but I see there's like, and I want to know your thoughts on this, there's almost like a, a fundamental conflict of mm. masculine versus feminine, which is a very ego-oriented masculine self-presentation, and then a more um, uh, inherited, interwoven, interconnected um desire to like represent something to a lot of people and give something to a lot of people mm. and i see that conflict is very central to him and like what you were saying about his republicanism really fits because to me i'm like he's the rock everyone loves the rock he could like run for president but he's also like the person who got into into like a beef with vin diesel you know and yeah. it's like okay who are you you know yeah no that's a good point it's it's crazy that it's crazy that somebody who can do the voice a um, voice in Moana yeah. is like, you know, and sing it, you know, sing, you know, there's so many videos of him like singing the soundtrack to his, you know, young daughter. Mm -hmm. And then also like get in a beef with Vin Diesel about like, well, I, well the beef with Vin Diesel is one thing. But I hear it was with Jason Statman where it was like, if they were in the same scene, like nobody could actually beat the other. Like it had to all, like they had to like count the amount of punches to see like, to make sure they're getting the equal amount of punches and no one's actually like overpowering or winning because even though it's a fucking movie, you know? So it's like, it's like, yeah, like that is totally there and present this is okay this that's you know it's amazing you say that his son is in taurus in the seventh house seventh house is intimate partnerships and open enemies mm -hmm. son is in a direct uh opposition to lilith in his first house scorpio so that does very well i think when he did a heel turn uh in the wwe i think it's he his son is in a direct if you think of lilith as your shadow side mm -hmm. he does a really good job i think of coming in terms performatively with his shadow side which is why the rock is like one of the bedrocks of the attitude era of wrestling okay um, but it is in the seventh house of open enemies and Taurus is so possessive. And, you know, he's a Capricorn moon. Capricorn moon is all about control. So let me just tell you about, okay. Taurus sun and Libra rising, who are his peers? Hitler, Pope Jean-Paul II, Tsar uh, Nicholas II. Then when we look at sun and Taurus, moon and Capricorn, again, Hitler, David Beckham, Melania Trump, Cher, Sophia Coppola, Michael Moore, Sam Smith, Lars von Trier. To me, I'm like, the Sophia Coppola, Michael Moore, Lars von Trier part is interesting because I'm like, oh, you just need control. And mm. I think that that plays out in these weird, like, masculine... Mm. You know, for him, so much of his chart is is focused on the third house of self-expression and mm. then the eighth house where he has his Gemini. Mm -hmm. 
his voice, you know, his third house rules his fifth house of creativity. It rules uh, his, sorry, his moon in his third house rules his, his, um, sorry, Jupiter in the third house rules his fifth house and his of creativity and his second house of self-worth. I think to him, like his self-expression and the voice and the bluster is who he is. And it did make him who he is because the rock persona made him a star. But I think because he has his Mars and his Venus in Gemini, we get lost in that role. And it's like, okay, you're not like you needing to like adjudicate who's boss with Jason Statham is not the point of that. You know what I mean? Like mm. th that's where the Gemini I think becomes a problem, which is like his Mars and his Venus are in Gemini and they get like, I, I think they take, that voice and that self-presentation it, it's almost like when, when you see someone with a mars and venus and gemini i'm like oh you get lost in your role a lot of actors have mars and gemini mm. and i think i think there's a loss of perspective and the desire for control gets played out in these bizarre ways which is like i'm the best i have i have this body i'm the most masculine mm. rather than like I'm producing, I'm creative directing. Like it's not being well served, you know? Have you seen, um, what part of the chart explains his insane diet? Well, okay. <laughs> if we look at that this- Cause that sounds like the diet. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, if we look at um, the sixth house of the body, um, the sixth house of the body, we have Mercury, we also have Chiron. So Chiron represents kind of like a central wound. Um, and Aries is ruled by Mars in his ninth house of kind of travel, adventure, kind of higher achievement. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that Mars is also ruling his Scorpio in the first house. So to me, because his Mercury is ruling his eighth house of metamorphosis, his Mercury is also ruling. To me, there's just this aspect of the sixth house. His body is this site of expressing his individuality. It's his means of saying, I am one. No one is like me. No one can mm. be like me. Uh, it, it gives him a huge sense of kind of... Um, and again, it goes in complete opposition with this very Libra Uranus, mm. um, which is like, what can I be for others? What can I give to others? What do I represent? It's almost like, yes, he the side of him that is that voice in Moana that is kind of like speaking for his culture mm -hmm. often comes against this site of like, this is what I eat. This is how I work out. That's me. That's what I create. And it's like, mm. okay, you know, the Mars in Gemini and the Mercury in Aries and having Capricorn in his third house of self-expression, it's just self-expression is paramount in his chart. And I think that comes through the body and the persona. And I think the central kind of dialogue of his chart is that he has Pluto and Virgo and it's squaring his Mars and his Venus and Gemini and it's squaring those, those planets in Capricorn, which, which desire kind of control of, of self-expression. Mm -hmm. Pluto and Virgo is asking him deep down, 
what is your role? What is your service? Like, what is, what is the thing you do? What is the part you play? And I think that there's a big search for that in this chart, which is jumping, being a movie star, playing a role in the WWE and like then becoming this kind of larger celebrity. In some ways there's a Bill Clinton there, which is like, let the people love the rock, let them Mm -hmm. project onto the rock, what they want to see. And then there's this, I think ego projection, which is like, no, I'm a Taurus. I'm a Capricorn moon. I'm in charge of what's coming out. This is who I am. And there needs to be a reconciliation there. I know I'm, I'm, I'm going on very quickly. So how is any of this feeling? No, I mean, that's a good point. I think that's a really, I'm, I'm wondering, how, I'm wondering what is he like, cause I can't really see him like do much else. Like, in creatively, right? Mm. I'm I'm really interested, like, to see like how that reconciles, even as he ages, because um, he's not going to be this like hard body, or maybe I don't know, but like, I'm like, can he play those same characters of like hard body asshole in his 60s and 70s? Yeah. So it's like maybe that reconciliation will come later. Uh, yeah, the asshole thing is just weird to me because I'm like, it's just such a battle. To me, the Libra rising is like, we know that you're, I don't know. And because he has cancer, like his, the peak of his chart is in cancer. I'm like, you know, <laughs> you're like kind of supposed to be like uh, a more like loving Mm. sweet figure and i think he's a really he's very good at um i don't know like moana i think was very special because it connected with his ancestry and like Mm -hmm. it 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 was very like loving like he does well well yeah world well have you seen young rock no i haven't watched it I mean, I haven't either, but I feel like that's probably tapping into that is like the autobiographical like stuff about his life. Yeah. And I think I don't know how that transition happens either, because I'm like, you know, again, with this Taurus on Libra rising, it's like Pope Jean Paul II, the czar. I mean, there is this aspect of like being beloved Mm -hmm. Um, and the world he came up in was so much about persona and heel turns and like, I'm going to take on this role so that I can hack the system just because his, his Jupiter is in Capricorn. Um, and that Jupiter is representing his second house of kind of earning and self-worth and his his fifth house of voice and creativity. So I think for him, there's this aspect of like, well, I created myself through this voice and I kind of need to carry this on with me. And I think that that Pluto, by the way, Pluto is in Virgo. Virgo is very much about the body and the perfection and the presentation. So one way or another, this square with, with Pluto going to... Uh, the moon and jupiter and then venus and mars one way or another i agree it can't really be about the body anymore and it needs to be about like 
the service. And obviously like he gives a lot, but to me, I'm like, he, I could just see him moving into like a more producer, like, which he does. I mean, he has like a production company and stuff and he does those like bizarre reality TV shows on TNT that no one has, I know has ever watched, but I'm like, <laughs> at some point or another, he has to, I think his, the terms of his star power will have to be relinquished. The terms of his individuality will have to be relinquished. I'm really, really curious to see what's going to happen when his daughter starts mm. wrestling and if she'll be able to, and even just like her trajectory too. I always wonder like, does she actually, did she actually want to be a wrestler or but then I'm like, but I don't know if your mom and dad are wrestlers. Like you're probably, you probably do. But then I'm like the pressure. And then I'm like, is, I wonder what kind of superstar she's going to be. You know, um, Ric Flair's yeah. daughter, Charlotte Flair. Like she's like a WWE superstar and he does a lot of stuff with her. And like, it's really cool to see somebody with a legacy like Ric Flair pass it on to his daughter, which is cool and progressive. But at the same time, like his, you know, Ric Flair's daughter, Charlotte Flair, like hasn't crossed over to mainstream stardom yet. So I wonder if that will happen with Pebble or whatever the fuck, her name, you know, <laughs> uh, this, this, this young woman. Yeah. I mean, I think it really like, should and could uh just because his north nodes in his fourth house of kind of home and roots and ancestry he has his uh cancer career high point so i think like he really is meant to be a kind of progenitor and a kind of like he is supposed to be passing things on but let's just be clear he's got scorpio in the first house and he has pluto in the 12th house so one way or another an ongoing crisis in his life is the the large-scale ego death so it does yeah i i don't know i i was just thinking about this yesterday with like vanessa williams and her daughter who's lion babe where it's like i did not like? know that i didn't i'm a dummy I found wow okay um, and it's like what is that like you know mm. and and how That's as really a parent do you like how do you exist as The Rock or Vanessa Williams and be like, oh yeah, do your thing. I support mm. you. Well, to be fair, Lion Babes thing, but like, you know, that's not a career that I'm super following, but Vanessa Williams yeah. is like, but you know, I know a few songs of hers and um, it's definitely more alternative and indie where, you know, Vanessa Williams was pageant queen, mm -hmm. Broadway, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. so I, yeah, like, yeah, that's a good point of, you know, maybe, yeah, that's, that's a good point. What do you think about his movie career? Um, so, right, there's those action movies that he's in. Right, he's a Hobbs and Shaw, using and Furious. Then he's in movies where it's just like the premise of it is like 
big strong man helps family like it's basically <laughs> like you know what is it the tooth fairy i don't you know you know there's like yes. five of those movies yes so like that's probably showing like he's supposed to be tough but like he's actually a sweetheart like that kind of shit fine and then you have moana which is crazy but then more like whatever okay but then more <laughs> more like i guess interesting i haven't seen billions have you seen I. billions classically no like queer queer adjacent person <laughs> has ever seen billions um you know that's crazy because um elizabeth warren i feel like a lot of that's elizabeth warren's favorite show is billions <laughs> um <laughs> i cannot tell you like what that's about at all <laughs> um, you know <laughs> he's a taurus sun and he's a capricorn moon like share um this is when the kind of Taurus Capricorn aspects are just like, I know how to make money. I know how to like secure the bank and I know how to just kind of like keep the ship going. Shares like, okay, I'll do another farewell, farewell tour. I don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. And you know, then he has his Mars and Venus and Gemini. Gemini is extremely versatile. Gemini is very much about like embodying an experience without any sort of a larger kind of framework. And you know, I think he's very good at just being thrown into a project. And like, he is known for revitalizing franchises because a lot of these franchises like G.I. Joe, Journey to the Sec Center of the Earth, Fast oh, and Furious. Oh yeah, Jumanji. They're yeah. like, Jumanji, they're like, well, what if we just throw the rock in the sequel mm. and then it'll become like a, a bankable franchise, which is great. He makes a huge amount of money you know, the Taurus and the Capricorn are both getting their stability. How could you say no to an action movie that pays a lot? But again, there is this Pluto and Virgo that I think is is asking for a little bit more and is asking for some redefinition of the role and the service it does. And I think Moana was like the first step to that. And I I think that is hopefully more in, in the path because otherwise, you know, he has a, the most lucrative film career, like possible, obviously, mm -hmm. but in terms of like the, the richness and abundance and the meaning, um, how is his Neptune and Sagittarius being fed? You know? Um, I wonder if it's like, yeah, like the autobiographical narrated, yeah like fucking sitcom about growing up yeah you know, maybe that's it but i don't know but even that seems a little it's corny in a different way so who knows yeah i agree i mean you know his first saturn return was like 2000 2001 writes his autobiography, hosts SNL, has his first child he's in the mummy returns oh um, yeah so his next Saturn return um, is 2030. Mm. Um, he's, you know, his Saturn square is going to be probably like 2025. But his Saturn return, his Saturn is in this eighth house of metamorphosis. It is in Gemini. 
it's very connected because that Saturn for him, if you ask me, because his Saturn rules Capricorn at the base of his chart, there's a huge relationship with um, the patriarchal legacy for him and what he represents in wrestling in terms of his father's culture, etc. So I think with that Saturn return uh, in 2030, and because he's having his Saturn square um, in his fifth house of creativity, I think that the artistic output is going to really change. And I think the terms of his, how his self-expression is aligned with something bigger will likely come to a huge um, transformation. Um, and I wonder if the, the, the Saturn return coincides with his daughter's rise. Ooh. Right? Because if she's training now, you know, Whoa. I don't know who's to say? Right? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Uh, because his they might have the same Saturn return. He might have. Oh, that's actually a good. That's rock. actually probably true because she's twenty. She's probably twenty. Right now, yeah, she would be like thirty when that happens. So, oh my God, Millie, this is so good. <laughs> so, children is. I think Simone. Yeah, Simone. Yeah. Simone was born August 2001 during his Saturn return. So actually, as far as I know, more or less, they will be having, I think, concurrent Saturn returns. Mm. Um, and because it's amazing because his Saturn is in the eighth house of family inheritance and... Um, and death and metamorphosis the eighth house is very much concerned with when um an older member of the family dies uh what happens to your role uh mm. if your father dies uh what do you get in the inheritance and do you become patriarch so if we think about this eighth house for the rock where he has his saturn and he has his saturn return his first saturn return he became a father mm -hmm there is this beautiful aspect of his second Saturn return of like passing on uh, mm. a lot of his role and getting to kind of let go of perhaps a lot of his self-presentation mm. um, and a lot of like the role he's brought, you know, he's, uh, he's taken on, he gets to pass on to another. Mm. Um, so that's like kind of amazing. I love that. Um, what is her her vibe? She is she. Well, I just know that she. Oh, she's a Leo. Grew up in an insanely rich part of you know because I grew up around there in South Florida. So where she grew up, you know, most expensive private school. Mm. So I mean, it's interesting because yeah, I always I always wonder about the kids of stars. It's so interesting because, yeah, it's like he just had such an interesting childhood too because like he grew up with this legacy of wrestling and his father was, um, as far as I know, like the first uh, tag team competitor uh, champion of color i think that's the 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 accolade i, I might be getting that wrong um but I, yeah i'm pretty sure it's the first uh champion tag team champion of color but um the rock or the dad the dad the dad right you know but they still grew up not like 
you know, it, it's not like he was like Rowdy Roddy Piper, or like some sort of a superstar. And then The Rock really kind of rose and claimed, claimed his, you know, he became a, a superstar in a way that was like truly meteoric. Like um, he, he- Unintended. True. Yes, exactly. Like he, <laughs> even the turn, like, wwe smackdown which is like a weekly program comes from like rock terminology mm. and like i just want to reiterate like as a performer and as someone it's very draggy his gemini mm -hmm. aspects because the gemini and because he has pisces in his fifth house of creativity pisces that pisces fifth house creativity is ruled by neptune mm. in his second house of um of self-worth and because he has that lilith in that first house scorpio this kind of like ability to tap into the shadow side you know that ability to create to to not just perform but to inhabit mm -hmm. i think totally changed wrestling obviously hulk hogan did that but like i, I think the rocks libra rising which is an intrinsic like charm joie de vivre um and like likability because you know our family obviously i am formerly david goldberg our family was obsessed with bill goldberg and steve austin mm. they are not like they're obviously superstars but like the rocks libra rising and the rocks gemini abilities he is so able to like shift into the exact role that is called for and the role that people are going to be obsessed with and like mm. that ability really can't be underestimated i just mm. think the issue is like that role is supposed to be a creative persona and mm. you know when you have neptune neptune is this planet of um neptune is the planet of imagination but neptune is a fantasy and Neptune is an intoxication and a delusion. And Neptune is in your second house of self-worth. Mm. When Neptune is ruling your fifth house of creativity, it's almost like you become a creation. And then you like, the you, the intrinsic you might get a little lost. And that Neptune is opposing his Saturn in that eighth house of, of death and metamorphosis. So some form of his self-ideation is going to have to be relinquished you know mm, yeah the yeah somewhere because the money-making movies and the creative fulfilling yeah. shit don't really overlap what are your thoughts millie just like generally because it's weird to be talking about a male movie star because mm -hmm. I just feel like the state of male movie stardom is kind of like non-existent. Like I feel like even mm -hmm. Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth who are very successful superheroes, I think that their independent careers outside of that aren't quite, maybe this is my own read, but I don't see them as quite robust in terms of abundance of options as things may have been for someone like, Hugh Jackman once upon a time or Kurt Russell mm. and The Rock actually has preserved that ability to like truly be a movie star and I'm just curious about your thoughts about like the state of male movie stardom in general that's a good point I feel like yeah I don't know I mean I guess like there's this aspirational aspect like 
like female movie stars is kind of like you go to see how they transform roll mm. to roll where like what looks they're wearing on the red carpet and all that kind of stuff and especially with cis straight male movie stars like there's not that kind of excitement or like yeah. thing and then you know just how our society like kind of picks apart women and all that stuff like of course it's terrible but then at least like you're aware of like somebody you know you're aware and you're like keeping tabs on whatever celebrities where men can fall into obscurity like yeah. male movie stars because we're not paying attention to them or like unless there's something drastic like a Zac Efron but we don't know what Zac Efron's like do it you know what I mean like yeah. besides like shows like shit that pops up like when people aren't really keeping tabs on him you know the way that you know uh Margot Robbie or Emma Stone Jennifer Lawrence all that kind of stuff I mean so, that's a really interesting point which is like I think for actresses it's like oh I'm excited to see Leslie Manville play Princess Margaret on the Crown season five. Like I'm excited to see this actress inhabit this persona. The Rock is a Libra rising. Mm -hmm. People just want to see The Rock. The Rock just yeah, makes people happy. So like in terms of like a great diversity of like what is he gonna do with this character, it's not really happening. And that is like very true of a lot of male actors, which is like, yeah, I don't really need to see like Chris Hemsworth like. I like seeing Chris Hemsworth because he brings me joy because um, he's like uh, a, a joy to watch. But like mm -hmm. he, uh, yeah, I'm not there to like see him act really. I'm just there to like see him. And I think that like limits, you know? Um, My favorite rock cameo was at the end of Why Did I Get Married Too? Can I spoil it? Go off. Yeah, I mean, not, you know, not, I don't know how many people... <laughs> not listening to your show or really watching why did i get married to tyler perry's why did i get married to um basically basically the movie janet jackson is a therapist uh and she's like a doctor of psychology and her and her husband have a lot of resentment um towards each other because tyler perry's a fucking psychopath first of all you need to do tyler's chart absolutely Ugh absolutely absolutely you need to do tyler perry's chart that okay, will be dark. yeah dark exactly De janet jackson's storyline was like even though she's a psychologist and she can communicate her and her husband have like a dark cloud and they don't they don't talk about it and it's basically like janet jackson didn't buckle her son's seatbelt correctly and they got in a terrible car accident and the son died and they have like resentment towards each other um and like they don't talk about it right because janet jackson's above problems whatever which is just it makes any sense of course then then um so the whole movie, it's like this thing and it's boiling up and they get her and her husband. Mind you, I'll just say this. And then before I, I need to take a step back before I take a step forward. Step back. I had watched Why Did I Get Married Part One? And it's one of the better Tyler Perry vehicles because okay. Medea's not there and they do like explore different couple dynamics. Yes. Um, and only some of them are, sex, are sexist. So <laughs> some couple, only some couples are sexist. Other, most couples are not, right? So, um, and Jill Scott's in it and whatever. So in the first movie, Jill Scott's in it and her husband treats her like shit. 
and like leaves her for her friend and talks shit about her because she's fat, right? And like calls her you fat, ugly bitch, whatever. Jill Scott falls in love with this random guy and they have like a really sweet marriage and that's how the part one ends. Part two, the ex-husband comes back and okay, my, so my family friends are like, I know, I know, but this is just building to the rocks cameo. My family friends are like, oh my God, that movie was so fucking stupid. Why did I get married to is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. I can't believe he died like that. So I was like, okay, Whoa. yeah, I can't believe he died like that. And they didn't tell me who died. So the beginning of the movie, the, the, the shitty ex-husband, Jill Scott's shitty ex-husband from part one comes back to her because he has cancer and he's dying and he has no friends or family. And then Jill Scott has to struggle with if she's going to be there for him or not, right? So you think this huge asshole who has, who treated Jill Scott like shit and called her a fat, ugly bitch for the majority of a Tyler Perry movie <laughs> would be the one to die. Well, David, here's what happens. Jenna Jackson and her husband get into a huge fight. Jenna Jackson's husband <laughs> takes the car keys and is like, I'm done with you. Drives away and gets hit by a truck. <laughs> <laughs> like five, five minutes to the end. They cut. Next scene is the funeral. They're all crying. And then Jenna Jackson's at the funeral like, wow, I really should have expressed myself. And then, then they cut that scene and it says, two years later no. and then she's like she's like disheveled and she has like all these papers and she's a professor at a college and then her boss the dean or whatever is like hey one of our donors really wants to meet you he's really excited to meet you blah 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 and she's like I can't I'm so busy she's like yeah but he really wants to go out with you and then the camera pans and it's the rock and he smiles and then the movie ends. Oh. <laughs> Which is actually tragic because I think he'd be great for romantic comedies. And I would love to watch like a romantic movie about Janet, like a uh, how Stella got her groove back where it's like Janet, Janet Jackson, Jackson the meeting the rock. I'm like, I would be down. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it's Tyler Perry. So it's just, so of course it's like a jagged melodrama that's totally manipulative and abusive. Um, uh, but to the end, <laughs> Till the end, always. Um, okay, well, that gives me kind of hope for The Rock where I'm like, why don't you do, why don't you be like Jack Nicholson and like be in movies with a bunch of women where you're like this like unlikely romantic lead? I actually think that would be really good. Oh, that would be really good. That would be really good. Um, and then he doesn't have to, you know, fight with who is getting hit more. I know. And it's like, don't, those men don't age well like don't age into like sylvester stallone they definitely don't dolph lundgren well. like action movies for old people in russia like don't do that. you know what i mean like, <laughs> i know exactly sweet. what you mean yeah he's sweet you're you're a libra rising like let us love you okay millie uh, uh, you know my 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 beloved where can people follow you you can follow me on twitter at millie tamaras uh, and on Instagram at millionaire million fire, however you feel, M I L O Y O N four I R E. Thank you so much for having me, David. Listen, nothing could bring me more joy. Um, and uh, have a great time in Miami. I love you. I will. <laughs> <All right>. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 
The Luminaries is made with love in New York City. Consulting producer Carly Hugendijk. Art by Greg Kozitek and music by Henry Kapersky. To book a reading, tarot, or astrology with me, David Odyssey, you can email me, adavidodyssey at gmail.com, or DM me on Instagram, david underscore odyssey, O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share, rate, subscribe, etc. See you next Tuesday. Mwah.